What is value of information in health research? How do they inform policy changes? How does Bayesian inference help with designing innovative clinical trials? Anna Heath will answer all these questions for you. Dr. Heath is Canada Research Chair in Statistical Child Design, a scientist in the Child Health and Evaluative Sciences program at Sickis Research Institute, an assistant professor in the Division of Biostatistics in University of Toronto, and an honorary research associate in the Department of Statistical Science in University College London. Other than all these fancy titles, she was also the supervisor for my master's practicum project and opened the door to the whole new amazing world of Bayesian statistics to me. So, of course, I'm so thrilled to be hosting Dr. Heath on the show today. Also, I believe you would be just as thrilled as I was when learning that Dr. Heath is a very keen ballroom dancer that participates in international contests, a violin musician, and a cricket lover. Now, let's dive into this episode to see what she shared with us. to Biostatistics Podcast. It's really nice to have you with us here today. Thank you for having me. Um, so can you start by telling us a bit about your background and how you became interested in biostatistics? Of course, yes. So um, I did my first degree, my undergraduate degree in maths and French. Um, so I started out as a mathematician and I, I wanted to do maths just because I thought it was really broad and it would lead to a lot of different topics. Um, and then as I became kind of more involved in my degree. I started doing more statistics. I found it really, really interesting. I liked the application. Um, and um, so I started thinking about what I wanted to do next and um, decided to do a PhD in statistics. So my PhD is in statistics um, with application to health economics. And that's what I was really kind of interested in and still I'm very interested in. And then um, at the end of my PhD, there was a really interesting role um, in Toronto uh, to kind of apply the methods that I was working on in my PhD in practice, um, particularly working in a, with lots of other uh, clinicians and, and statisticians to implement them to design clinical trials. And that's really when I started, I guess, working like as a biostatistician. So where I did much more kind of applied work and worked with lots of different people. So I'd say I kind of slowly over my career became more and more applied um, and probably started being a biostatistician in uh, 2018. So that's what I've done at SickKids since then. I see. That's very interesting. Can you tell us a bit more about what you currently do? Yeah, so my current role is um, as a scientist at SickKids Hospital in Toronto. Um, so what I do is I have um, a really great team of uh, people who work on um, developing different statistical methods for the design and analysis of clinical trials. So clinical trials broadly um, in the context that we work in them are any kind of prospective study in which we try to assess the safety or efficacy of interventions in humans. Um, we, we work in the team across a lot of different disease areas, particularly at the moment we focus on um, interventions in the pediatric emergency department. So children who arrive needing emergency care and what are the best kind of pain medications or um, 
like distress management or um, other kind of infectious disease management in the emergency department. And then we also have um, a big project in critical care. So patients who've been admitted to the ICU um, and they need ventilation. So they're having respiratory difficulties. Um, and what are the different ways that we can um, investigate those? Um, so mostly those, but I, we have projects in across a huge range of different areas. Um, and mostly now I do a lot of management, um, <laughs> but I work um, with the people on the team to kind of implement particularly to the design, so to work out what the best uh, analysis method for the trial is, the best, in, um, sorry, the best, um, uh, like, outcomes and what, um, what are the kind of key quantities that people need to do. And I also work in um, the health economic evaluation of trials, so trying to investigate whether trials are worth the money that that they um, that they cost, um, and in particular, that kind of takes a decision making perspective on clinical trials. So rather than saying that clinical trials are looking to like determine just sing just efficacy based on a single outcome of interest, we try to look at the kind of whole systems perspective, including costs. Um, impact on other services and um, effectiveness um, often in the long term. I see. Would you say the health economics metrics or um, measurements are widely applied in decision makings when it comes to clinical trials? So it's definitely not applied in clinical trials um, almost at all. Uh, it is applied in policy making in Canada. So any um, drug that needs to be or new device that needs to be used by patients in Canada um, needs to be assessed for economic benefit as well as efficacy. Um, so it's what the work that we're trying to do is to kind of bring those two worlds together. So often what happens at the moment is that the clinical like the clinical trial is done and then the health economics team comes in like right at the end and says, oh, you should have collected all of this extra data. We're trying to bring that health economic perspective and that decision makers perspective into the design of clinical trials. Uh, interesting. I'm wondering why specifically in Canada? Um, primarily, uh, it's anywhere with a public health care system. So where the public uh, or where taxes pay for right. um, healthcare. Mm -hmm. So particularly, I come from the UK, and that's where it's really was developed um, initially, because we have a national health service that provides funding for all, I say all healthcare. Um, but the Canadian system is very similar. And so they also have a kind of public payer perspective in which they try to assess the value of interventions, rather than just the efficacy. I see. That's very interesting because I don't know a lot about health economics, so that's definitely very refreshing. Um, I'm also wondering, since you were in UK before and you probably worked with a lot of European academia people, and now we're in Canada, and then primarily we're working with people from North America. How would you say the environment is different between these two, I guess, continents <laughs> in general? Um, that's a really interesting question. Um, I actually still have a lot of collaborators in the UK, so I haven't entirely left behind my European uh, collaborative relationships. The, the challenge I have is that now that I'm in Canada, I work in a hospital environment, which is much more collaborative mm -hmm. with people outside of the field of statistics, whereas in the UK, I was a PhD student in a statistics department. So I do have kind of a different perspective anyway. 
Um, I haven't found that big a difference between the the two worlds. Um, Yeah, I think I really enjoy working in Canada just because I feel there's a lot of um, potential to kind of grow these methods. And it's been much easier for me to make these kind of networks of people who are really interested in innovation in the design of clinical trials. Um, but I can't say that that might not have been the case if I stayed in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the UK has a much bigger trials infrastructure, which can mean that it's challenging to break into that um, mm-hmm. that space just because they have kind of a much more, they have these clinical trials units that do a lot of uh, the clinical trials. And so you'd have to kind of be in that space in order to be able to make the impact, whereas Canada seems a little bit more dynamic. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Um, so with that being said, how do you think biostatistics re- research will evolve in the coming years? And what new developments or innovation do you see? That's a great question. Um, it's hard to speak about the entirety of biostatistics um, because I do a lot of my work primarily in trials. Um, but I think probably um, one of the biggest changes that we're going to see is just, again, like as in many cases, the the kind of evolution of um, data science and machine learning um, and as it's used in statistics, I think that's going to be a big, the the fields are probably going to learn from each other. um, And um, I certainly know that as these new tools come on board, as we have more granular data, um, as we're looking for these kind of what we call like sub-phenotypes, so where you sort of get more precision in the disease um, we're looking to kind of use that in trials to develop interventions that are targeted to specific clinical characteristics of patients and that's definitely going to be needing these more complex methods from machine learning and obviously having more data so I would say just more data um, and I think potentially in trials we also have the potential to be thinking more carefully about um, more continuously updating data. So you might have something where you get somebody to wear like an, uh, a physical activity tracker and then you're using that data rather than like a single outcome. We have much more complex longitudinal data. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the types of data are probably going to be the big change. Um, and then something that I think has changed as we go forward, um, it's just, again, like even as we get more and more computing power, we're able to design much more complex trials and thinking really carefully, I think that will um, change what we're able to do in trials um, as we go forward. I see. And about the machine learning aspect, you're saying that will change things. Are you talking in the context of statistics in general or primarily in clinical trials? I think... I think these kind of concepts are changing statistics. Like I think it it changes how we think about what we do in statistics and what we're trying to achieve. Um, But I think also they will become something that we can use in trials, which at the moment trials is a very conservative and controlled environment. And I think will the innovation of machine learning will probably take longer to translate into trials, um, but we'll start to see it over the next few years. Right, I see. I just, I guess in my head right now, I can't really think of how it will directly change the design phase, but it might, I mean, I've seen talks where they, they're like, oh, we use AI when to aid the data collection. 
or to for better you know exclusive inclusion exclusion inclusion mm-hmm. criteria so yeah that's definitely interesting and as you said yourself bell statistics is a very collaborative field um and you work with a lot of people from other disciplines as well so what are some skills and traits of an individual that makes you think that's the kind of person you want to work with or hire a <laughs> uh, great question um i think in terms of a collaborative collaborative relationship i would say i'm looking for people who are interested in innovation um so depending on on who comes to the relationship some will see biostatistics as more of a service role so something that they need to do their trial um and some will come to the relationship as something where we can get a mutually beneficial um development so we can in the team can divide design some kind of innovation that will help the clinical uh team get to their answer faster or more efficiently or with you know the correct answer or, or something like that and i'm always looking for that sort of like curiosity or interest in what we do as a team and someone who doesn't just see this as like a service role um to to kind of further their research they see this as kind of a mutually beneficial um setting i think that's number 1 um in terms of somebody that i work with or or that i would like to employ um i think being a good like collaborative biostatistician is really about communication that's the primary um goal i think of, of a biostatistician is to communicate to translate between the world of statistics and the theory and all of that into something that's applied and the only way to do that is by communicating with clinical teams so that's what i really look for is somebody who is able to communicate ideas clearly and effectively um and someone who has an appreciation of speaking to different audiences. The other thing I think for my team that I really need is someone who's curious, who's interested in what they're doing and interested in finding the best solution and not just the fastest solution. Um I really think that. And then generally, I guess it's an easy thing to say but statistical skills. So, do you have good coding skills? Do you have good um yeah like understanding of key statistical ideas um and and that's often fairly evident um i in an interview I'll always ask somebody to describe a most recent project that they've worked on and that's usually what i'm trying to assess that do you have a clear understanding of the differences and the challenges of the the statistical methods that you're using i see that's good to know hope i'm living up to that expectation <laughs> so So not on the employing side for students who wish to pursue a degree in biostatistics what advice do you want to give them Um great question I think I guess it's similar to what I said I think if you want to pursue a degree in biostatistics firstly I would think about the curiosity like is that something that you're do you want to pass the exam or do you want to understand do you want to like go get to the root of the problem and i think that's really critical because if you want to go forward and work in biostatistics it's not going to work like the textbook tells you so passing the exams is not enough you really have to have like a good understanding of 
of the map of the different methods that you could use and where to apply them in practice. So that would be my first thing. Like, are you curious? And curiosity also, I think, has to extend to the clinical area that you're working in. You have to want to understand that clinical area enough that you can make intelligent conversation about what you put in there. So that's number one. Um, again, I do think there's a set of technical skills that you need. So um, certainly most programs will have a sort of prerequisite of some mathematical skills, calculus, linear algebra. Um, I think it's really important that you look at those and make sure that you feel confident uh, that you have those because that is going to be something that you build the foundation on. And if you don't have that, you're going to really struggle. Um and I think, again, like biostatistics itself is a collaborative field that requires communication. So if you want to pursue a career, if you want to be a student in this area, you have to be thinking about how your mathematical skills can apply to understanding real world problems. And so you have to have a drive to understand those real world problems. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Those are great advice. Thank you. Uh, when you're talking about clinical knowledge, I'm wondering... In your work, how much of clinical knowledge do you need to know to be able to, you know, communicate intelligently? So I have actually very little uh, clinical knowledge. I actually stopped um, doing biology, so anything clinical, when I was 16. So um, I really have not got that, like, foundation of, like, clinical understanding. I think you have to want to learn the some of the clinical so I don't necessarily know you know every piece of information but I I have to have a general idea of like what are the interventions that are in the trial what's the disease area that's that we're studying you know where in the hospital does do they are they enrolling the patients um and then I have wonderful collaborators who are patient often with me and explain the clinical context Um, And I also think you have to be not scared to ask questions. You know, they are the experts. You are not the expert, but you have to know enough to be able to suggest the appropriate analysis or the appropriate design of the study. And so that's really where you have to um, you have to know enough. And and that will change from context to context. um, And you can work with the clinical team to to get the, the knowledge that you need. I see. That's very insightful. Thank you very much. And I guess you sort of, I wouldn't say had a path changing, but you did switch from math to um, a biostats side. So what do you wish that you knew when you first started your biostatistics career or study? I think, um, I guess I I just said I I stopped doing biology at 16. I think if I'd known the path that I was going to take, I would have liked to have done a little bit more um, biology so I had a little bit more understanding maybe of physiology and like how you know the lungs and the heart work and things like that um in terms of what I wish I knew um in addition to that kind of technical knowledge um I think I wish I knew the importance of communication and this communication skills um going into the role um, I think I kind of underestimated how much communication there was going to be and how much was about taking 
my expertise and translating it to a clinical or, or to a non-specialist audience. Um, uh, that took me a while to learn and I think I made a lot of mistakes early on where I went in too high and I lost people in the room. Um, so that I think would be my my main wish if I could go back. <laughs> I see. I mean, I do know that you teach a lot of courses, a lot of seminars. So what are some upcoming interesting seminars that you're giving? Oh, I have a couple of uh, conference presentations um, that will be about um, designing trials in an efficient manner using different computational techniques. Um, and then I've also been invited to give a presentation at the um, University of Pennsylvania um, again, it will be related to trials um, and how we kind of think about different types of trial design for different problems. I see. Um, I guess your work mainly focused on the trial design part. So how much of health economics do you still um, do your research on? So the team has approximately kind of 50-50 split in terms of this health economic uh design and kind of more traditional clinical trial design. I think the interesting thing is that I, I talk a lot about clinical trials, but actually what I'm interested in is trying to use these health economic ideas to design trials. So I still am working in that trials kind of context when I do a health economic analysis. Um, so I have, again, those in different contexts, some in the pediatric emergency department, uh, a big project in oncology that was funded um, and that we haven't managed to start yet because we're awaiting uh, the postdoc's arrival. Um, and then I have lots of methodology in this health economic concept, um, trying to improve the computational efficiency of the methods so that they can be used in practice. I see, that's very interesting. Uh, I guess another question would be, uh, you mentioned before mostly health economics concepts are ap applied on the policy making side. So when you talk about they will help with the trial design as well, on what aspects do you expect them to help? Yeah, so typically um, we use them for research prioritization and design. So the first thing you can do is you can ask yourself, what are the key outcomes of interest if we're targeting um, a policymaker? Um, and sometimes you'll find surprisingly that um, the key kind of clinical outcome of interest, so maybe 60-day mortality or like trying to see whether you, you save lives, actually that can be augmented with maybe an understanding of the, the long-term consequences of um, uh, curing this disease or something. So, you know, you can think about things where you might have... Um, a trade-off between um, quality of life and length of life. Um, and you may find often that like the quality of life is actually a really important component for the health economic analysis, whereas quantity or length of life is really important for the clinical people. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we typically can find in our um, economic analysis is that we need to look at other things in addition to the kind of key clinical outcome. Um, so that's what, what we find. I, I had a, a colleague who did a really amazing study that I was just reading about the other day where they were planning to do a clinical trial of um, 
ultrasounds. So basically, if you have someone who's pregnant in the UK, you get two ultrasound scans. Um, and then if there's a potential danger later on, they'll have a third ultrasound just to check that everything's okay. And they were asking to see whether um, you should always do a third ultrasound because that would have the potential to save babies' lives because mm. you would notice some of these issues earlier on. And they discovered that a traditional clinical trial in this area would require about 100,000 patients because of what they were trying to like look for. Um, but they did an analysis to look and see, okay, but what's actually driving our uncertainty? Like, how would we make a better policy decision? And it turned out that actually the efficacy of the ultrasound was not very important. What was important was like the costs associated with inducing labor, um, because that was what was really driving the uncertainty in the analysis. So really that changed the way that they were going to do their study. Instead of doing an almost impractical clinical trial, they're now focusing on a costing study instead. Well, it definitely sounds very important to incorporate <laughs> this information. Um, thank you for sharing that. I guess which that brings us to the last question. What is one question that you wish I would have asked and how would you have answered it? That's a great question. Um, I think I would say um, like the question would be kind of what are the challenges of doing biostatistics? I think from from my perspective, the challenge is really uh, having to do lots of different tasks. Like you're never doing the same day twice. Some days you'll be having lots of doing a lot of communication. Some days you're being really deep in the data some days you'll be designing you'll be designing a study and I think that's interesting but it also leads to challenges because you have to master a lot of different uh, skills in order to succeed um, I also think another challenge is really finding the people that you want to work with um, so I think in any role uh, people relationships with people is often the hardest part of your job um, and I think that's no different in biostatistics. You need to have great collaborators and great uh, people that you work with in order to have a productive and, a, and an interesting job. But um, sometimes finding those people and finding the people that can support you and your goals, it can be a challenge. Um, but uh, overall, I really uh, enjoy what I do. I think it's a really great field to to be exposed to a lot of different projects. I think I've heard people say before, like the best thing about being a statistician is that you get to play in everybody else's sandbox. And I think that's really true. Like I was never going to be able to, you know, I had not very much interest in becoming a clinician or doing research like that, but I love to be able to help other people to kind of get to that, that point. And I think you know, you can always get involved in the fun bits of the project, the the data, you understand, you get the results, and uh, you can help people make understandings of the world, which I think is really a great thing to do. Thank you for sharing. That's definitely one question I should have asked. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Anna, for being with us in the Statistics Podcast. It's great talking to you. Thank you for having me.
Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode.